Hi and welcome to Leitrim Daily. My name is Brefni Early and you're listening to Kiss My Arts here on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you in association with The Dock in Carrick and Shannon. More on them later and in fact today is going to revolve around an event that's happening in The Dock and that is of course Juno and the Paycock by the Brefni Players and today's guest who we're going to be talking to about that event plus his life and times in Carrick and Shannon and particularly with the Brefni Players is Angus Dunn. Angus, welcome to the programme. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's glad to be here. You've been involved with the Brefs since 1960. 60. Well, yeah, since 1960, but uh, I might be the, the oldest member, but I'm not the longest-serving member. Jim Gorman, who was, who was our lighting man, he's the longest-serving member, so uh, he must be in it over for 75 years. No, not 75, but... Uh, he, the, the mid fifties, he joined, and I joined in the sixties. I, I don't think either of you are going to argue about the length of uh, time you've been involved. You've been involved many, many lifetimes for some yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with Juno and the Paycock next yeah. week in the dock. Yeah, you're the director. You yeah. might tell our audience what age you are to put in context. Uh, how how impressive this is. You are ninety three years of age. Yeah. Wow. Young 93. <laughs> yeah. Why at 93 do you want to be involved in this kind of initiative, this kind of work of directing, taking on that responsibility of directing a performance? Well, number one, I, I'm totally interested and it was my hobby all my life, like, you know, and uh, I, I always believed is when you're retired, well, you have to have something to do. And what better thing to do than what I enjoy doing, and that is the Breffney Players. So Juno and the Paycock opens on Tuesday night in the dock, 8pm. Still a handful of tickets left. But well, 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 I still, could be still walk-ins, as we call them. I wouldn't like to discourage anybody from saying it's totally booked out. No, not at the moment. Tell us about the play itself. Well, the play is, is, is one of Vokasi's best plays. I think it's the one that gave him recognition even in London and has been played all over the world. And it's a typical Vokasi play. It's a comic tragedy. But Vokasi, he's able to sort out the comedy with the tragedy, you know, he's a... He's very good at that sort of thing. So it's, 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 it's a very entertaining play and, and very humorous. And like all good plays, it, it's relevant even today. The storyline is even relevant to today. Anytime you play it would be relevant, you know. So sign of a good play. So, and it's very well constructed. And as I say, lovely characters in it and very humorous. You talk about characters. Tell us maybe some of the cast members who are going to be bringing those characters to life over the next week in the dock. Well, C- Captain Boyle is the, the leading man in it, and that's played by Desi Doyle from Drumshambo. And we have uh, Emer Keaveney, who is playing Juno. And she's from, from Leeton, but she's been in the breaths for quite a while. So has Desi. Desi has been with us quite a while as well. And then there's the other famous character, Joxer. Well, Joxer is played by 
uh, Tomas Winston, and he's, he's in the breast good while as well. So it's well cast, and basically, if you can't cast the play, you know, you don't do it. So it just happened we have the cast to do it, so that's why I'm doing it. And we, we, we did the the plough last year, and it was a sort of a, see, okay, so he had three good plays, the trilogy, as they call them, Shadow of a Gunman, The Plough of the Star, and Juno. And Juno was the second play, and, and recognised as his best play. So, and well, I call it an audience play, you know, audience certainly will enjoy it. So that's basically the reason I picked yeah. it. Now, we crossed paths many, many moons ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, but in the grand scheme of things, it's in your later stages as, as, <laughs> with the drama in, in the town of Carrick and Shannon, uh, with the community school musical back in the oh, day, I've... where you had the misfortune of trying to, to get me to, to play Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Yeah, well, that, I, was doing, I was involved in the school musicals, you know, doing the sets and all that. And it wasn't... All I did was the direction of the acting. I wasn't involved in the music engines because that wouldn't be my cup of tea at all, but that's so. And funny enough, of, 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 of all the plays that we did in the school, I think that one was the best, you know what I mean? I think the, the characters that were available then, or the, the, the students, they were, they were very, very good actors, you know, and just, an excellent play, I thought. Well, I'll have to give most of the credit to that to Heidi Donnell, actually, who was Maria, who carried the show, and of oh, course yes. the, yeah. the late Cheryl Healy yeah. in in Leitrim Villa, Cheryl Mulvey in Leitrim Villa, who's since passed yes. on, but um, she was phenomenal as the Mother yeah. Superior in that particular yeah. role. Do you remember all of the productions you've been involved in, or have they blurred <laughs> into each other? No, I forget sometimes. You know, uh, like my. I mean, since 1960, how many plays have I done? You know, how many have well, I it's been? Well, 50 years. So, to 60 remember, years. To remember them all years. and the musicals. And the other thing with the, with, with the school musicals, uh, I'd be walking down the street and some would come up and say, oh, how young is you? So, and I'd be looking at him, who the dickens is this? And of course, it was one of the students who was now grown up and didn't recognise, you know. Is that nice, though, that you have that relationship with a l so many people who've passed through oh, yes, the yeah. Breathly Players over the years? Oh, yes. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great social activity, if you want to put it that way, you know what I mean? So, and, and oh, all the people that passed through the Breaths. Well, in, in the early days, nearly everybody in Carrick was involved in the Breaths, at least did a little bit of acting, but it's changed now, you know, because population has gone away up and it's different, an awful lot of strangers in, in, in the town. Well, strangers are only friends you haven't met yet. Yeah. In terms of the changes to Carrick and Shannon in your lifetime, like you're 93 years of age, born in uh, 1917? 1926. 1926. Oh, my, my maths are completely off. You're born in 1926. <laughs> um, it must be a huge difference over your lifetime when you look back at, at Carrick and Shannon over the last 93 years? Yeah, well, I think growing up in Carrick, I mean, you knew everybody. 
I mean, every shop in town, or there are numerous shops, grocery shops, hardware shops, you know what I mean? But it's, and most people lived within, in the town itself, you know, okay, okay there was people outside it that you knew as well. But now, all the families, there must be, there must be only about five or six families that actually live in Carrick, you know, and I'd be, I'd be one of them. I just happened to get back into Carrick, but I'd be one of them. But Jim Gorm would be another, you know, but there's, there's just a handful. Rest, all the houses seem to be empty, you know what I mean? They're, they're not dwellings, if you want to put it that way. So th th that's the biggest change, I think, in the town. In terms of the careers you've had, because you've, you've had a, a range of jobs in your time, talk us through maybe some of the different experiences you've had, because I know you worked with my father in the, the power station in Origna, but you've had plenty of other roles in your professional life around the town as well. Oh, when I qualified as an engineer, uh, I joined the ESB. And uh, the first place I ever worked was <coughs> called Pigeon House. Rings it's end. It's a power station, yep. Pigeon House Power Station. Uh, and I was there in, in operations, and then I was pulled into head office. And then it just happened in the early 50s that the ESB were building an awful lot of power stations. And I was involved in head office in... In, in some of the design of these things. And uh, I think, yeah, I was, I was asked would I go out on site out to a little one they were building over in Galway, which called a screen power station. And I said, oh yeah, I'm delighted to go there, you know, because it's, 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 it's a nice sort of a job. And when that was finished, then I'd be back to head office. But just before I was to go back, the, the, the boss rang and said, would you ever go over to Arigna? I said, of course I'd go to Arigna. <clears throat> so because the fellow who was the, the site engineer was coming there wasn't available or something, they said, would you stand in front for a while? And I said, yeah. But as it happened, I was there for about two years, so I said, we're building it. So, which was great, because it was back in Carrick, you know, which is great. And... Uh, then I went back to head office again when that was finished, and it was just wondering, yeah, they'd be looking for staff now in Oregon. Maybe, maybe I should apply and get back to Carrick. So I did apply and I got the job, and that was it. So I, I ended up in, I ended up in Oregon, then to spend most of my working life in Oregon. You talk about how O'Casey's plays are relevant all the time, even mm. now. Yeah. That story itself is, is relevant now too, in terms of local people having to go away for work and yeah. maybe being lucky enough to find to back, a, yes. a job to come back. Yeah. Do you appreciate how lucky you were to oh, be able yes. to come back yeah. oh, at yeah. the time? Because as, as rare as it is now, it was unheard of back yeah, then. Yeah, you know, it just happened. Oh no, it was, just, it was great to get back, all right, yeah. and. I remember applying for the job as one of the staff members and he said, oh yeah, but and I waited and waited and waited and head off and eventually I had to go, what about that job? And, oh yeah, yeah, okay, off you go. So off I went and then 
there were changes, a lot of changes had to be done, and I was there during the building of it as well, and there were changes in the staff, and I was the only one left. There was only engineer that was left. We were, we were sort of upgrading electricians into supervisors instead of having engineers there, which is a small station, you know, very, very small station, and uh, as it just happened, I ended up as manager eventually, so I was lucky. Just been in the right place at the right time. So that was it. In terms of the impact of the closure of the mines and the closure of the power station, how much of an impact did that have on the local community around Drumshambo and Arigna? Uh, well, I suppose, yeah, the... Yeah, I suppose the ESP were a good employer, but there wasn't that many. There about 64 all told in it. I think there was much more employed in the mines, you know. So, but I, I think the, the mine owners, and I, I imagine the workers themselves realised that the mine was running out, you know what I mean? And <clears throat> the grade of coal that was left, you, you couldn't possibly burn it in a ring, you know. I think there was plans that maybe there was a different system of burning sort of 50% ash coal, which is, you know, an enormous amount of ash, you know what I mean? But there plenty of that, in, but the mining, there were mining difficulties as well, so I think they said it wasn't really viable at all, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be economical at all, so that's it, so. But your first love was always the Breffney players, and you're probably most associated with that around the town. In terms of the different roles that you did within the organisation of the Breffney players, you've been a director, you've been an actor, you've designed the sets, you seem to have pretty much played every single part behind the scenes uh, yeah. over the years with, with the Breffney players. But the set designing is one that you've got a particular skill for. Uh, people talk about how your ability to design a set not just to work on stage, but that it'll fit into a trailer so you can bring it from one venue <laughs> to the next is, is famous. Uh, is that a conscious thought when you're making a set? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you did... You, <coughs> you do, in those days, we used to travel to festivals. So we were going to different theatres. So you got to know the theatres. Some were big stages, some were small stages. So you, you, you just designed the sets so that you could expand it or shrink it, whatever, you know, for whatever station you, whatever theatre you were going to go to, you know, so. I know it was, it was a challenge and it was interesting and became a hobby and I enjoyed it, you know what I mean? So that was it. So you, when you get the script and you read the set, you, the first thing probably you'd be looking at the setting to see how elaborate it was, you know. So, and then you start thinking about it, and then that's it. You design it. What's been the most interesting venue that you've uh, that you've performed in, or that you've built a set for? What what venues did you like um, over the years? <laughs> <clears throat> oh gosh, there were numerous, numerous ones. Uh, I used to do the musicals as well. You see, we did, we did, we did that. And that, fun, funny enough, which I, I, I think the sound of music was one of them. Oliver was another one, you know. So the designing sets for music was, was, was 
much more elaborate because you had numerous changes. So all of those ones were, I found most interesting and challenging, you know, so. Because I remember The Sound of Music you mentioned was the show that I was in back 20 odd years ago. And you, while you were directing the show, you were also constructing the sets when ah, the yeah. kids weren't there to, ah, yes, to, yes, to yes. take part in it. It was um, a fantastic experience kind of watching you at work. It was, it was really, really good. In terms of the people, because 60 years in the Breffney Players, and I know, unfortunately, we recently lost Brendan Kerr. Brendan, Kieran, yes, um, indeed, yes. How much of an impact did Brendan have on the Breffney Players? Oh, yeah, he, I, <clears throat> I remember him how he joined it. <clears throat> I was doing the Playboy and it was short one and I was wondering who on earth could I get to play as John James, the, the father of Peggy and Mike and uh, I was wondering who on earth I could get. So I started in my mind, I started at the bottom of the town <laughs> and I went through every house. You see, there could be John Keeney, there could be Jim Gorman, there could be and then I came to Kiernan's chemist, Brendan. Because I had seen Brendan, he, he used to take part in the, in the festivals and he used to dress up, you know, fill the fluter and all this. And I knew, I knew it was in him. So I went into Brendan and said, Brendan, how would you like to join the Brevenies? I don't love it. So that's where he started. That was in 1979. <clears throat> so he became the leading actor after that. And he was in, he was in all the O'Casey plays, and he, he played the lead in all, in all the ones of the O'Casey plays. So he was, he was excellent. So he's a very good actor. So. And obviously his loss will be felt because in more recent years he's been involved maybe front of house or in the tickets and on the, the oh, treasury was, side he, of the He breast. was the treasurer as well. He was also the PRO, so he was, which he did an excellent job in, you know, so he's sadly missed indeed. Will there be a little bit of a, a nostalgic moment on, on Tuesday night when you're, because it's the first performance since he passed oh, away. Yes, yes, um, yes. Is there Thinking of him back in it, yes, yes, would be, yeah would be but anyway in terms of the other personalities you've worked with over the years who stands out as some of the the kind of the, the greats of the Breffney players well the late John Conway he was <clears throat> he was another he came into it late as well but he was he was an excellent actor he played Joxer in in the in the O'Casey place and he was he, he, he was a meticulous, he was a very dedicated actor, you know, and he always came sort of in costume, ready to go, you know. He was very good. He was excellent, in fact, yeah. You play on the dock on Tuesday night, 8pm start for Juno and the Paycock. You only live a stone's throw across the park from the dock. Yeah. How nice is it to have that kind of facility on your doorstep. Oh, that's great, yes, great. Uh, we, we we used to do St Mary's Hall, of course, and St Mary has had a good stage as well, but uh, I suppose it, it, it wasn't like the, the dock. The dock is a bit more intimate, like, and it would be great if it could 
could expand it, you know. But uh, and it had it had built-in facilities. We had to do our own, bring our own stuff, like to St Mary's and that sort of business. So the dock is just—it's all there. The lighting and all the sound systems—they're all there. Whereas before, we'd have to be doing all that ourselves in St Mary's, you know. So. You also, in since those times as well, have added the rehearsal space on the Leitrim Road. How much of a help has that been to the activities? Of oh the yeah, that was great. That was great. Uh, it, it it came on the market, and one of our members, John John McDwyer, he sort of said, "This place is up for sale, and it's it's very reasonable." And we were saying, "Where the dragons through do we get the money?" <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway. Uh, he said we should buy it, so we did. I think it was, it was something like 10,000 in those days. And we managed to get a grant then, so we extended it and made it what it is today, which kitchen, uh, rehearsal area, storage space, and a space for building sets. We can actually build the set in the premises and then it, we can just transfer because it actually built as if it was in the dock, you know. So it's a great facility, helped us enormously. We used to be in the shambles before that, you know, the market yard. But all there we had storage we, you, and rehearsal rooms. You couldn't, you could make stuff, but you couldn't, you couldn't build anything. And so that's the big advantage. In terms of family. Uh, we mentioned your age, you're almost approaching that 100-year mark. Um, but your wife is still around, Brida, a huge part of your life, and, yes, yes. and four kids and a couple of grandkids floating around too. Uh, family must take up most of your time at the moment. At the moment? Well, they're, near, they're, they're not all around. <laughs> so <laughs> There's only John and Alan, I think. The rest, the rest are all, they're all away. So... Uh, we meet the grandkids all right but other than that not really <laughs> so directing plays is your passion <laughs> it's it's your time consuming yeah. retirement plan at the moment yeah. in terms of the future you're directing now 93 years of age um, do you see yourself continuing to do this is this uh, will there be another production after this directed by Angus Dunn <laughs> Well, of course, it might depend on the breaths themselves as well, but, uh, yeah, I don't see myself stopping. So <laughs> I would be thinking of what what will we do next, you know what I mean? So, Have you got any plans? Is there anything you'd like... Is there anything you haven't had the opportunity to do that you'd really like to do? Yeah. No, I think most, most of the stuff I did, like, uh, you know, is what I wanted to do, but... The, uh, s- selecting a play means who have I got? You know who's available. You see, because you mightn't you mightn't have the actors available. So that's the first thing. If I pick a play, I and I read it, I have a vague idea that I'd be able to cast it. You see, so uh, then of course you have to go around and ask them, will these people be available? There are also the technical staff. Without a technical staff, you couldn't put the play on, you know what I mean? So these people have to be consulted, and if they all agree, yeah, okay, then we go ahead. But that is it.
So Amen. hopefully. <laughs> What's your happiest memories of being involved with the Breffney players? Uh, favourite memories? <laughs> uh, I'd say travelling and going to different venues and presenting plays, you know, in front of adjudicators and that sort of thing and just seeing the reaction. Some, I think that would be the most interesting part of it, you know. So, the, I remember we did one in Balishan in front of two adjudicators, which is unusual, and that was uh, MacLeamor and Hilton Edwards up in Ballyshannon. Uh, and funny enough, it was the first time we did play a call to live in peace. And I remember, well, of course, Paddy Dillon did the design in those days. I was only peripherally involved in it, but this is my first outing. And I remember MacLeamor came out and his very dramatic thing. There's a setting for you, <laughs> which, which, which was great, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that was Paddy's artistic touch, I think. He said, I, when I was doing sentence first, uh, I'd be very sort of practical. If, you, if it was a room, it would be practical. There mightn't be anything artistic about it, whereas Paddy would, Paddy would have a unique fireplace and he'd want curved chimneys and all this sort of business. So he, he was very artistic. So that particular setting was very artistic, but mainly due to, mainly due to him, you know what I mean? But I was involved in the building, which is a, a nice memory, you know, so. Would you always have been into the engineering and the woodwork? Obviously engineering was your profession, but the, the carpentry skills, would that have been kind of a hobby or would that have been part of your profession? Uh, no, it's part of the profession, no. I suppose drawing would be the main part of the profession, you know what I mean? Uh, and des designing, you know what I mean? So, but, uh, no, I was, I, just, I was just handy, that's all. I was handy, but that was uh, no difficulty at all. <laughs> well, listen, Angus, you're handy at a lot of things around the drama world in terms of acting, producing, set designing and uh, directing you've given a lifetime of service to the Breffney players and you've touched uh, countless hundreds of people yeah. in your productions over the last 60 years uh, the very very best of luck to you and the cast and the whole crew involved in Juno and the Peacock it's on in the dock from Tuesday night to Saturday night this week all five nights 8pm start curtain up at 8pm yeah. and tickets are available but they're limited enough so oh, yeah. do get in touch with the dock and make sure you get your tickets. You reckon there's about 15 to 20 tickets available for each night. That's all that's left. So, so do check that out. And uh, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, it's yeah, been an absolute no, pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. <laughs> well, this, of course, was Kiss My Arts here on Leitrim Daily, brought to you in association with The Dock, the venue in Carrick and Shannon and George's Terrace, which will be hosting Juno and the Paycock this week. Thank you, Angus, for joining me. I've been Breffney Early and I will be back tomorrow with a roundup of the weekend's sporting action. Talk to you then.